Welcome into another episode of Car Stories. My name is AJ. And I'm Chris. And we are sitting with Spike Fearisten. You did it. All right. You pronounced it correctly. It's my biggest fear on this is mispronouncing names. Oh, my God. You should have much bigger fears. Uh, Someone uh, killing themselves right on the air right now. That would be a pretty big fear. Great ratings. This is a good first world fear. (laughs) Yes. Mispronouncing podcast names. Yeah, it doesn't Uh, Spike hosts a show on Esquire called Car Matchmaker, which airs Tuesdays, 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock Central on the Esquire Network. Uh, Spike, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, it's great to be here. We, uh, we Again, I've been here all summer shooting yeah, with you guys. You, you guys came. have been so nice to me, and you've, you've let us do so many great things, including driving Steve McQueen's XKSS. I told Actually, you he was going to say that. Yes, yeah, there was <laughs> passenger. I, I didn't get to drive it yet. <laughs> but last time I was in the vault, they said, you can't even touch it. And then the second time I came, they said, well, all right, we'll take you for a ride. All right. Well, so the third time, slowly... maybe today. Well, um, if you really want to drive it, you would have had to have bring a, brought a crane because it's on the second floor at the uh, Reagan oh. Museum right now. Wow. The Reagan Library. That's a weird. Yeah. Why is it at the Reagan Museum? Uh, we're doing a Hollywood exhibit over there. But why Reagan? Because I guess he's Hollywood. Uh, he's, uh, no, they, they there have is a, a tie-in. They, yes, but. Well, there is a tie-in because of Hollywood, but they have in their library, and Reagan or politics aside, it's, it's a beautiful building, how they, right. how they set it up. Uh, and they have a section that's a traveling exhibit. So every six months, mm-hmm. there's a, they had a spy one. They had baseball was the last one. So it's not always political. Uh, so well, it's got to be the coolest thing in that museum right now. It, it's yeah, it is. His um, gloves the... and his socks aren't going to compare to that XKSS. Hey, I heard a rumor that if you do want to drive that car, if you do get granted permission, you need a $60,000 insurance bond. Is that what they told you? That's what I heard. Wow. That seems cheap. That does. you have to you have to pay the sixty thousand dollars just oh, in case gotcha. anything happens. Right. Do you know anything about that? I that I don't know. See, I've turned the tables on you guys. Right. Now. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> need that's the... how I heard that's how Leno got to drive the car. He was willing to write that check. Probably yes. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I'm going to start saving. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like a, it's like a, a guy who has a good Pog collection. He's got so many pogs, you let him hold your pogs. Well, you know, so I pogs. live right down the street from Steve McQueen, where he used to live. I hope it's going to say, West I hope LA. not now. And just uh, a couple days ago, I was up at the house. It's the castle. Remember the castle where the Lusos were photographed? Yeah. All uh-huh. those famous photos? Mm-hmm. And that XKSS was there. And I was in the driveway like three days ago, and it was like walking. Nothing's changed. The Steve Weird. McQueen house is exactly as it was in those photographs, and it was like walking into those. So it, was it the castle of cool? They call him the king of cool. It makes no sense that he lived there, but, you know, because you just you look at it, you go, well, this really doesn't look like right. Steve McQueen. But He'd live at a hangar at an airport full yeah, of motorcycles yeah, and cars. He would, he would <laughs> hang in a place that had a, you know, a, not, the, right. not the lifts, but where you go underground to work on the car. Right. No, there's a big stone entry with a big wooden gate. It, it looks more like something at Disney World. You know? yeah. But then you go up this long, winding driveway, and you just... You know, it's like time traveling back to those photos. Man. Are you, uh, I was losing my mind. Are you a big McQueen fan? Yeah, yeah, huge. Do you but I like pride myself on being a McQueen fan before everybody else was nuts about Before it, it was cool to be. Before, well, I started to B- see McQueen what this fan. guy was, you know, the Barracuda jacket and everything in the movies. I, I knew about it since I was a kid. You so know? do you buy into sort of, I don't know, the hype that is around McQueen stuff being sold at auction? I understand it. It's not that I buy into it, um, but but I get it. You know, would it, you want any of it? Um, you know, there, you know, you hear stories about Steve McQueen's sunglasses selling for fifty thousand dollars. His watch. I brushed up against uh, some auction folks who said, you know, yeah, that's you know one of seventy pairs of Steve McQueen sunglasses. Oh yeah. So, you know, I'm not sure what you're buying. Um, I, what I like more is when I you know meet someone who actually knew Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. like uh, like Bert Olander, who used to uh, uh, be a salesman down at Circle Porsche, and I think worked at Vosak Polak back in the day, and actually mm-hmm. brought cars to him, and you know gave him a 911R, which he brought back the next day because he said, I, "If I buy this car, Bert, I'm going to get too many speeding tickets, and I'm going to go to jail." You know, I, I like the people <laughs> who actually knew Steve McQueen yeah. and hearing about the guy more than the more than the stuff because that's and just you wrote bragging, a million right? dollar check for his tag yeah what's that well you know it's 
my friend uh, Jerry Seinfeld, as you know, is a good friend of mine. He called me one day and said Steve McQueen's uh, overalls from the movie Le Mans are for, are for sale. And this guy Maury had him up in Montreal, <laughs> and, he, and I said, oh, "Well, that's cool. You know, you've got the 917." He goes, "He goes, should I buy it?" I'm like, "I, I don't. You know, this is a pair of pants. You know, it's a it's a jumpsuit, and he yeah. wants a hundred grand for it." He's like, yeah, but I've got the car. And I'm like, mm, if it were me, I would pass. And uh, and he ultimately passed on him. Sorry, they're still hanging in the window of Murray's overalls. And, uh, well, Murray <laughs> puts them into the right auction Yeah. two months later. And what do they go for? Million dollars. Jesus. <laughs> for a pair of overalls. <laughs> I mean, that is. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, just, I mean, we yeah, had it was just shy of a million. I we felt pretty awful about that one, but that's you know that's a hole in the wall sale. Let it, let it, let try to get out of your million dollar overalls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, with a guy like Jerry, does he want him to display him, or does he want him to go? Well, when I'm sitting in this car, I might as well be wearing the overalls. I don't know. You'd have to ask him that question. I, you know, I don't think he puts much stock, obviously, in the Steve McQueen stuff. Um, I, a car is a different story. You know, a beautiful old car that's that's rare, like the 917. It, 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 that's valuable in its own right. Yeah, Steve sure. McQueen just kind of adds to it. But. You actually, I, I read you found that car for Seinfeld right up yeah, the street. Yeah, I brought him down. I, I noticed it down at... Um, uh, symbolic Motors. It was right on La Cienega in a window. Every time I drive down La Cienega, you would see Steve McQueen's yeah. 917 there. Did you know it was Steve McQueen's, or you just... Yeah, I went later went to the website and went, this is amazing that this is just sitting here. And, what uh, what can, year was this? Gosh, I don't know. It would have to be 12 years ago, right? Whenever Symbolic was down there. Um, is that where... What, what was it? That dream car is there now, or... I don't even. I thought it was a furniture store, like quartz furniture. Okay, okay, I, I know what you're talking about. We what? I don't even remember the circumstances. I st- I found the pictures the other day of that that first day. I remember we all went down, and Sam Cabiglio, who's you know Jerry's real car consigliere, the guy who really looks through the cars and makes sure they're right, and also does the same for me. We all went down there together, and we just stared at it. We we couldn't believe how beautiful it was. We we for no lie for two hours. Just looked at this car. They wheeled it into the parking garage and just were stunned by its beauty. And it, at the time, people weren't buying race cars, you know. Yeah. They, they they weren't valuable because you couldn't use them on the street. Mm-hmm. I think I remember Sam saying what's great about this car is you could register it. You could drive it on the street you if you wanted. It. Yeah, and I can't imagine the, driving that car. The three car. of us were just <laughs> sitting there just stunned. And, you know, Jerry's a humble guy. And he was like, "I this is a lot of money and why – how can I own a car like this? Who am I to own something so beautiful that belongs to Steve McQueen? And I, you know, have a little distance, obviously. Yeah. And said that I don't think there's anybody else who could own it. There's, you know, guys like Miles Collier or Bruce Canapa, but, you know, you're just one of those guys. He's passionate about yeah. the brand. This is, you know, arguably one of the greatest Porsches of all time. And, you know, I don't think anybody's going to look down on you for buying it. I, I don't think so. I mean, no. Seinfeld, or Jerry, as we like to call him, uh, uh, he has become synonymous with the brand of Porsche. Does he see himself as sort of a, you know, I'm a historian of the brand. I need to sort of keep this alive and going. I don't. I don't think he's very passionate about it. And yeah. he, you know, he talks to the guys at the factory. He's taught me an awful lot. I mean, his knowledge about 911s and 356s and just the factory and the lineage of the company is in. It's really incredible, and it's really fun for me to go down to his hangar when he's in town and just sit down and listen and talk to him. He's one of those guys like Leno. Yeah, You know, at Monterey Car Week, um, we went down to the show early, the Pebble Beach show early, and Leno was there, and he met us. And he, you know, he was with us for about 20 minutes, but he just started taking us around cars, uh, Tatras and everything else, and just talking about the history of the cars. It was incredible. So he's not, I mean, he, because Leno displays his knowledge and love of cars. Seinfeld's yeah. a little more, I don't want to say reclusive, but private with his collection, but he is, he is just as knowledgeable and passionate yeah, he's he's always in touch with the factory guys and yeah. the, and the design people, and you know, reading this book or that book, and we're all always sending articles back and forth to each other. You know, we, we're in a small group of friends who just love Porsches and love to talk about them. And well, it's it's a small group of I don't, don't want to call them Hollywood guys, but guys who work in television and film. You'd be surprised how little are actually into cars. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Mean, 
They're they're out there. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's almost ironic and painful. you know, like Adam Levine. I mean, there's crazy a guy, into cars. He's crazy into them, and he's buying a lot of great stuff right now. And he he, he kind of reminds me of me a little bit in that you know I started buying the cars before I really understood the cars, and yeah. now I'm kind of backtracking, going back and learning about them and studying them and getting into them. He drove a 330 GTC uh, to an interview at one of my previous jobs. Oh my gosh! And. Just, that's what he showed. That was we're what he was driving love. that day. And we're in love with y- that. You look at him and just go, "Good on you." you yeah, just, you drive it. It's right. good for you. Well, I drove my GT3 RS today for you guys. We might have to take a look and at that. I'm going to go get my uh, 365 GTC4. Wow, at the hangar right after this. Good time. So you you started off as a writer. Your backstory mm-hmm. uh, for people who don't know you were you started off working for NBC. You wrote for SNL. Mm. You wrote for David. Not Letterman. really, not technically, but you submitted jokes. Yeah, I was uh, the receptionist there, and yeah. I would I would get jokes on the air with Dennis Miller. So you you segued that into writing gigs, and you worked for Letterman and Seinfeld, mm-hmm. which arguably two of the you know outside of Leno would maybe be the the three pillars of car guys <laughs> of comedic car guys. comedic car guys. Did <laughs> it's true. It's how a- how into cars were you before working for them? I was very very into cars, but I was one of those guys who wasn't. You know, my dad was never into cars. He didn't even understand any of that stuff. So I, you know, was kind of by myself just riding my bike uh, every weekend down to this exotic motor sales place in West Bridgewater, Massachusetts, yeah. which late later on ended up getting shut down by the FBI really? because they were welding cars together, oh. <laughs> which sure. I still to this day don't understand why you would take half the cars and put them together. Maybe you guys can explain that to me. But um, so I was, you know, at Letterman. Just it, I don't know how it became known that I like cars. I think it was because I bought, uh, you know, I always had a car in New York, and I bought an old uh, Maserati. Remember the Maserati by Turbos? They were an awful, yeah. awful car. Yeah, yeah. I picked one up for a few thousand dollars. It broke down every couple of weeks. But but word got up to Hold date. Hold on. You mean to tell me an Italian twin turbo car was unreliable? This one is specially okay. unreliable. This was probably one now, of the rare ones. Sure. I'm just a guy in New York, you know, without any mechanic connections, just yeah. taking it to – the gas station to get fixed right <laughs> you know? it's really yeah that's i'm really not in the a car mess. for that it's not the car for that but um it, it it word got to dave pretty early on because that first year i was on the show we were out because the staff had been nominated for uh emmys the writing staff and he invited me out to his hangar at santa monica airport to drive cars this was letterman this is dave yeah so uh, seinfeld and you guys there's a whole network of hangar car owners out here i think dave was the first guy down there i think he's yeah. the guy who started it all um but i remember that day because i was i i think i might have only been on staff for like four weeks at that point yeah wow. so i don't really even know dave he's being so generous and gracious to invite me out to drive his cars but geez driving david letterman's cars <laughs> i don't know if you i must can have even think- handle that <laughs> You must have been thinking, how did I get here? Um, no, I, wa- I was excited, but I was flipped out. Right, I was freaking right. out. So, you know, I, I, Saturday morning, I go out to the airport. I ring the bell there. There's the little gate. And, uh, you know, Dave answers. He goes, yeah, yeah. And I go, uh, hi, Dave. It's Spike Ferris and your new writer uh, here to drive cars. <laughs> and then there's just a long silence. And then he just goes, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> and I panicked. What do you do? To eh? drive and cars. I went, uh, uh, well, I thought you, he goes, I'm just kidding, Spike. Come on in. And he opens the gate. And, you know, there he uh, has his hangar door open. And he's got, you know, these beautiful old cars, an old Ferrari Dino and a four cam Speedster, 914.6. And, uh, you know, just beautiful cars. Yeah. And, and he says, uh, I want you to drive these cars in this order. And he starts bringing them out. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it was like you're ever... getting a car flight, like you would a wine flight. Because or, or I had never yeah. driven a Porsche before Driving in my life. This order. So he wanted you to experience that. I thought, yeah, he wanted me to experience what's great about them. Because he, he recognized early on I was so far off in what I wanted as a, as a car guy at that point that he thought this is more of what you should be into. And, uh, or not. Maybe just wanted me to drive the cars. Um, Did, that's a pretty cool experience. So, so, so that really helped shape... Those experiences help shape sort of your taste now for cars. You know, I replicated a lot of the cars in that in the, in that hangar. I mean, I took the first car I took out was a, a 356. I think it was a 64 356, just a basic 356. And you know, he says, "All right, here you go. Here are the keys." And I'm like, "Well, 
what do I do? Do you want me to drive on the runway? He's like, no, don't don't go near the runway or you'll get arrested. Sure. <laughs> he goes, take it out of the gate and just take it out around Santa Monica and bring it back when you want. Wow. And I said, you know, I'm not that comfortable taking your expensive old port. He goes, just take the car and just go drive it and have fun. So I blast out of the gate and I'm going down Ocean Park um, about a mile away, I think, and uh, throttle just drops to the floor. And now the engine just is just idling. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? And there's nothing. And, you know, I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Um, don't have a cell phone. Dave doesn't have a cell phone. I have to push the car back all the way up Ocean Park and back to the airport. Oh my and I press the gate. And I, hey, Dave, it's Spike. And he opens the gate and I'm pushing. He, he says, uh, what happened? And I go, oh, you know, these old pieces of crap. I'm trying to make light of the situation. He goes, no, seriously, what happened? <laughs> and thank god what had happened you know i'm thinking i'm fired at that point it's over exactly what i didn't want to happen has happened here i am pushing dave's car in his the guy who had cleaned his car left a rag on the throttle linkage so when i pressed down it stretched it and just broke the wire and uh, we were able to just pop it right back on but Jesus, <laughs> yeah, I bet you I were sweating, and it wasn't pounds from that car. day. That is a yeah. good test uh, to oh find out your God. job security. Yeah, no, well. <laughs> so bef- before you uh, before you got your bi turbo, mm-hmm. and before you had this experience, you uh, you you grew up with uh, uh, or I grew up with an interest in automobiles. What yeah. was your first automotive memory? Um. Boy, I remember my dad bringing home my mom a, a, a 60s Chevy Impala where the paint was kind of would rub off on your hand. Um, it's not a car I loved, but I really laughed that my father didn't ask my mom what she wanted for a car. <laughs> Just thought I'll buy this car. Um, like great automotive memories are there. There was this uh, friend of ours whose husband bought a Trans Am, Pontiac Trans Am. Like the same one in Smokey and the Bandit, you yeah. know, just that car. And it showed up at a wedding, a family wedding one day. And that guy, I think his name was PJ, I'm not sure, uh, took my brother and I for a ride in it. And that just blew our minds. You want to party we with had. a guy at a wedding. You yeah. want you want a guy that shows up in a Trans Am. Well, yeah. PJ, if it's this, if it is that guy, and I'm not quite sure what he was also a, an ambulance driver. So in the car was telling us stories, gory stories about the people he you know with a spatula kind of flipped off the street wow. <laughs> so, I feel like you know, it was just an amazing drive I worry stories in a trans am kind of picture what pj <clears throat> in a trans am t-tops PJ's out awesome trying to scare some kids yeah 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 like. no for sure for sure there it feels like there was a little bit hair longer in the back or something feathered mm-hmm. a little bit feathered a little bit longer in the back with pj he was uh definitely yeah he was of the era fellow massachusetts blue collar guy yeah. like me Period correct. Is yes, what you'd yes, to he as. was, and you know, but for me, the cars back in that, you know, back then, aside from being, you know, twelve year old who just looked at, you know, Car and Driver and all these magazines and wanted them, it, it, it's a generational thing. I don't know. Like I was saying the other day, like a car represented the, the ability to drive away from your parents' house. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you could, the freedom. You get freedom, right? Yeah. And and it's. Uh, you know, as parents, we're all pretty good these days with our kids, and kids like to stay around. But back then, they didn't know anything. And, you know, that car was like, let's get the hell out of here right Well, we now. didn't have social media back yeah, then to bury right. our faces into like right. we do now. You'd pile your friends in there, you'd go for a drive, and you were free, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you were out. Of, they, they, they had no idea where you were. There's no cell phone. You're just blasting down the Cape or having fun or... Yeah, yeah. You didn't have to worry about the uh, you know your your uh, phone in your pocket vibrating and oh, that's right. Man, that's dad. Mm-hmm. I better get back home. It's- that's right. So I've always I always get that feeling in a car. You know when I when I go for a drive. That's what I do for fun on the weekends. Just take a blast out to Malibu with my kids or my friends. And what was your first car? <clears throat> my first car, like the first car I bought for myself as a yeah. new car, or back in the day. No, just your first the first car that you that could was call yours. yours. Oh, well, I shared a car with my brother. It was a 71 Ford Torino 500, blue cool. with a black interior. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. brother promptly wrapped it around a telephone pole two weeks later. As brothers do. As brothers do. Younger brother Wally. And then I would borrow my mom's car. In high school, I basically drove that car, and that was a Honda Accord. It was an import. Yeah. yeah. Stick that was exotic. Silver with red velour or red Ooh, velvet velour. inside. And that was an incredible car. That was the silver bullet. That was our little race car. And yeah. we loved it. Yeah. yeah, the cars back then, they didn't weigh anything. You no. Know, people don't understand nowadays. Well, that people the, were... F- we're trying to get 
great fuel economy on these right. little cars, but the cars weigh twice what they did well, back Pete, then. <laughs> I remember my parents, and they, they bought this car from a friend of theirs, but I remember this guy, Mr. Kelleher was his name. He got the car brand new, and this, the, the people in town were like, I can't believe this guy didn't buy an American car. Yeah. Can you believe oh, what yeah. he did, that he bought this Honda Accord? And, you know, the, the kids were like, this is awesome. Yeah. This is an incredibly fun and cool-looking little car. Uh, I well, I, I mean, I grew up in the uh, of the Fast and the Furious era, so mm-hmm. I uh, I am, have a soft spot in my heart for all things import. Yeah, but it is. It's really just sort of the era and the time you grew up, and right. what was on your poster as a kid and mm-hmm. what you were into. Did they you have just... a Honda Civic poster on the wall above your bed? No, <laughs> I didn't. You know, I didn't go that far. My, you know, it was always Farrah Fawcett or somebody like that. Um, I remember my friend curvier. Jimmy Jimmy Connolly had a Datsun B210 that we also loved, which was like a. a, a, a tan with a tan interior car <laughs> but again mm. it was just about freedom then the rest of my friends and i we were all ford torinos and grand torinos and chevy novas and everything else so sort of back to when you you know you're starting to make a name for yourself and you're getting successful and you're hanging out with letterman and seinfeld what was sort of the when did it's when did the spark of i want to start amassing a collection or i want <clears throat> i want to really start purchasing well that's just vehicles. money that's just, yeah. you know, uh, when you have some money to spend. I'm trying to politely say when you started to get a good paycheck, whatever you go out and buy. <laughs> I, even when I, so I'm on Letterman. I'm living in New York for five years. I'm making, you know, better money than I've ever made in my life doing yeah. whatever I've been doing up until that point. Um, I always had a car in New York. I mean, I, the, the Maserati was one. I ended up giving that to a dealership, and they sent me up a sepia brown 1974 uh, Porsche 911 with 200,000 miles on it, which I banged around in New York. I had a Jeep CJ5 in New York for a long time, and then a Jeep Cherokee as well. Um, but the car I became fixated on toward the end of my run at Letterman was the Boxster, the Porsche Boxster. Oh, wow. The show car came out, I saw it, and it, it blew my mind. You know, up until then, it was only the, Mia- the Miata that was a two-seater sports yeah. car that was out there. And this car really spoke to me, and I started saving for it right in that moment. So you can imagine, now I leave Letterman, and I come out to Seinfeld, and I tell... Seinfeld, that story, and, I, and I, you know, the first day of work, I pull in with that seventy four nine eleven, yeah, which is beat to hell, and he's like, "Whose car is this?" Yeah, <laughs> and, we, and instantly on to me, he goes, "You like cars?" And I go, "I love them." So, uh, you know, it was that that Boxster. He and I both ordered Boxsters from Bert Olander, who I was just talking about at Circle Porsche, and mm-hmm. then waited, waited the year for them to be delivered, and because it was Jerry, we I think. Yeah, we were actually the first two to get them in California. He had a little pull? He had a little pull. Yeah. Imagine that. And we both, we drove down to pick them up on the weekend, and uh, no, it was on a Friday, and drove them back from Long Beach, and people had no idea what they were. Well, that was the first, I mean, because until then it was just the 993, so that was the first no, but people of that design. Yeah, but they, do, they couldn't, they kept saying, asking the same question, which is the, which is the front and which is the back? Yeah. Like we would, we were stopped for gas and they kept saying, which is the front and which is the back, which is such a this weird. This is the new Porsche with red headlights, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it, uh, it's such a memorable drive and such a, you know, for me personally, such a triumphant car moment, you know, yeah. your first, that was my first new car. I took my. I think I'm in my 30s at that point, but that was that was pretty neat. There's a lot worse you can do for a first new car. Yeah, sure. No, it came a little sure. late in life, but but super cool. What? Um, I just forgot I was going to ask you about Porsches. Um, do you still have that Boxster? No, I knew you were going to ask that. That's I don't consider that one the one that got away. The one that I made a huge mistake on is my uh, 98 C2S. Especially um, now, yeah. I wanted one of those, but I wanted it in dark blue, and Mr. Seinfeld called the factory and had them do a paint-to-sample dark blue for me that had all sorts of beautiful documentation that came from from Dr. Vedekin and everything else. The car was incredible, you know, black carpets, black dash with yeah. uh, gray seats, an incredible car. Um, it was stolen about two months in and off-roaded in Mexico. Sure. When they found it. They found oh, it. Oh, man, what a Off-roaded. Bummer. And I brought it back, and I built it back to better than it was. A lot of the, I, you know, got rid of a lot of the sounds that the windshields were making and everything else. And then I, you know, they announced the Boxster S, and I thought, well, no one's going to want these old 911s. It's a couple of years old now, and I'll sell it to a friend and get the new Boxster S. <laughs> this is a huge mistake. I, feel I like made that's, a yeah. huge mistake in that moment. Yeah. The last air-cooled 911. And, and that is the last of the last and the, I know. the best of the best. You know what I think happened? I think the show 
at that point wasn't around anymore and Jerry had moved back to New York and I didn't have anybody to talk to about the decision. So I'm just in my own squirrel brain. So I, I slap the keys out of your hand. I sell it to James Spader. I, I'm not even sure how that happened, but he, you know, I see him driving it for the next year and now it's covered with mud. And when I, and when I call him and I go, what are you doing with my car? It looks horrible. And he goes, I'm driving it like I hate it and having fun with it. More fun than you ever had. which <laughs> made me laugh. And then someone stole the car from him. Wow. You know, um, wow. That's so, a cursed car. It was, it, everybody wanted those cars, yeah. those C2Ss. You know, I have a friend whose car was stolen twice before it disappeared the third time. The first time they almost stole it, it there was gunfire in the garage. He went out wow. to the garage in Benedict Canyon, and, and the guy shot at him. That's how badly they wanted the cars. My car, which was stolen successfully once, there were two previous attempts to get it. And uh, Spader, when he had it, also a failed attempt and then a successful attempt. So, you know, there was and just... And now it's gone. It's gone forever. I, every once in a while, I call them and say, hey, would you call your insurance company to see if they were fine? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Even if it's got a salvage title, I'll build it back up just to have it to get rid of this anxiety. I now feel it's about probably part it. of 47 different 9-11s. <laughs> and I forget, and he says the same thing every time he calls back and he goes, if I do find it, and I will... I am not calling you to tell you about it. It's his car too. <laughs> it is my car. I had more fun in it. I think we have you your next show planned. <laughs> I think we have a whole documentary series of you and James Spader on the hunt. <laughs> we'll get. We'll get. Uh, he would do that show. And at the uh, that's the last episode when you finally find the car and restore it, then mm. you have to have some sort of contest to see who actually gets mm-hmm. yeah, to this own is, the car. This is Survivor meets you know, it's, uh, it's, a hot rod. And, and it's not even about a thing. It's not about materialism. When I, when I do talk seriously about it to him, both of us kind of say the same thing, which is it just reminds us of such a happy time it's in our life. Okay. You know, he was having a, just a great year that year, um, you know, personally. And, you know, it was just a happy time in my life. And I, you get in the car and you think about that. And that's what... You know, I find at least with cars over and over again, it's either a little yeah. time traveling where you can disconnect from the world and remember what it was like. You know, I get in an old American car now and I think about being in high school. Yeah. Or, yeah. They help you connect with milestones. Yeah, they do. They do. And uh, or it's a story about a person, you know, who used to own the car, you know, and uh, some story you heard or the person you bought it from. And it's just a nice feeling, you know, to again, to kind of connect and be the next caretaker for something. And does a lot of that come into play with Car Matchmaker? You're getting their era and Stories. Car matchmaker, you know, we deal with a lot of new cars, and we deal yeah. mostly with people who um, don't know much about cars. So, so, you know, you guys obviously know a lot, and and there are a lot of shows out there that are that talk about Wankel engines and how they run and everything else. Yeah. Like, for you know, what I like doing is educating people who don't know as much about it and kind of helping them. And you know, I, I find most people are kind of uh, fearful of coming forward and going, you know, I don't know what to do and. You know, what does hybrid mean? And, <laughs> you know, so right now the show kind of speaks to that that audience. To the non-car people. Mostly, yes. People who are a little panicked, who are looking for help. And, you know, folks at home can watch and learn, you know, basic things about cars they may not know. Have what, you? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask, what what's the hardest thing about um, picking the right car for the right person? <clears throat> well, um, you know, as you guys know, if you're the car guy in your neighborhood, everybody comes to you for oh, advice. Oh, yeah. Everybody asks questions. How, how many of them actually take it? Never. <laughs> you know, they just Never. want you to validate what they're thinking, and they just want to be heard. So, yeah, or they go, I have $19,000. I need a four-seater. Right. Want, and then you know, in your head, you're just checking off what, yeah, that's what's the, the best that's car That's the them. hardest thing, gauging are they going to be open to, go, to leaving their comfort zone, which on the show we can do because I can always – sense right away when someone's locked into something yeah they, they just say it here's what i want whether they say it you know in the pre-interview or they say it to me privately so it's very easy to get that car and then try to beat it with two other choices and i have a pretty good track record in the show of beating the car that they thought they wanted with Stacking something a little a better little. because they're like i had no idea um uh, you know, another thing that isn't difficult, but people are just fixated on options a lot of the time. You know, yeah. they'll just go, I just want a sunroof. <laughs> so yeah. you're like, all yeah. right. <laughs> That's not too hard. Yeah. You know, so. And my wife, my wife uh, we've talked about getting her a new car, and she always just says, well, you know, as long as it has air conditioning and power windows, that's really all I need. Right. Well, pretty much every car in the last 20 years has air conditioning right. and power windows. So, yeah. you know, we need to explain. 
expand on the that the greatest bit. option it had to be it was a absolute deal breaker i ever heard in my life it has to have the highway adjusting volume for the stereo oh my god i want it to get louder when i get on the freeway and i want it to get quieter you really when want I get that off. oh no i don't i don't care yeah, that was the greatest that someone i think they were going to buy like a toyota sequoia Mm-hmm. And they went to go look at like the excursion, mm-hmm. and the excur- they liked the everything about the excursion better. Did not have that option. They went with the Toyota because it did. Right, I you know when someone shows up to the show, I hope they don't have any ideas. I hope they're like, I, I really am stuck here and I don't know what to do. And I like to hear really different cars. Like I don't know if I should get the smart car or the new Ford F one fifty pickup truck. Yeah, sure. I like you know I like that person who's really out of their minds and, and kind of explore their line of thinking to try to figure out how well, do it's, you, how do you figure it out how do you figure it out uh, i spend a little time with them you know and i yeah. listen to what they're doing i'm like you know most importantly the simplest questions like what's the number one uh, usage for this car i want you to put down the like top four uses of this car so if it's is, towing it, their bayliner it's not going to be is the smart this car. your daily commuter is this your family car is this your fun weekend car you know that usually starts them down the road to thinking correctly about the car then you know you tell them this car is going to do 80% of what you need it to do. It's not going to do 100. So you got to get that right in your head. Yeah. You know, and I tell them, you know, like just the other day, I had my GT3 RS in the garage and I had to go to school to pick up two kids. Doesn't work. No. <laughs> it's a two-seater. Yeah. Unless I tie one to the yeah, wing. It works. It's, it's not legal. Not, right. It's not legal. So, you know, there's a moment that car lets me down. I'm in love with it. It doesn't matter. It yeah. can do no right. wrong. You'll find another way to get Right. Um, you'll call I'll, a taxi I'll, for the other kids. Yes. Exactly. You can have your son I'll, My wife has a bar. Prius. I'm like, let me borrow the Prius. So I go borrow the Prius. So, you know, I find if I'm happy 80% of the time, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I find that for vintage cars, too. You know, if if, if uh, when I go to pick it up after not driving it for maybe a week or two, if I feel great the moment I turn on the engine and st- pull away from the airport, I know I've made an, a fantastic choice. Have you ever bought a car where you realized that didn't happen? Yeah. No, I had a really disappointing purchase. Um, I've been tracking down a 73 uh, Porsche 911S. Sure. A car, a specific car that was owned by Otis Chandler and a fella out we, in uh, Malibu we, owned. The museum knew him well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and the, and, uh, and the guy who had it was, and I, he's got a difficult pronounced name, Bata Mataha. Do you know that? Of course, my, uh, I, he, I But know. we knew about the car, and um, I kept calling Sam saying, can you just plant a seed and if he ever wants to sell it? Well, you know, about a year and a half later, he calls and goes, I'm ready to sell the car, and I bought it right away. Had 35,000 original miles on wow. it. You know, the paint was original. It was cracked, but it was all original silver paint. It's completely original interior, you know, and it's a former Otis Chandler car. Home run of a car. Now, at the time, I own a 73911 RS, sure. a 73T that I'd owned for many years, um, which was my first real vintage car choice that I bought. Um, and then... Um, a 1970 911S. You know, it was 9-11 crazy at yeah. that point. And that's I'm sort still, of the, the, the probably best three-year run you can get. Y- those, I have those cars together, and now I add this 911S in it. And from the very first drive on, I hated it. Really? It was heavier and slower than my RS. Well, it didn't ride given. as smoothly as my 911T. The seventy the seventy nine eleven S, which was the sleeper of all time cars, is uh, now I consider to be the the pinnacle of, of Porsche nine elevens, wow. like the lightest and the most fun. That car was so dialed in; it had eight thousand original miles on it. And here I have this thing with it had a short shift kit in it, and it you know it was set up for Otis Chandler, who was a very tall guy. Mm-hmm. You know I went through and fixed a lot of this stuff, but it never there was never a moment where I got in the car and I went, oh my god, I love how this thing is is running. Yeah. yeah, it felt heavy. It just, it just felt, and it, you know, I just parked it in the garage and denied that I had made a huge mistake. <laughs> you know, it was one of the first cars I bought without driving it first, which you know is a. I've done it since, but I don't recommend it. Because we, we, we talked about this earlier. You buy something sight unseen. What are the odds it's ever going to be better than represented? It's not. It's very, you know, you, it's a terrifying thing. Like here, you know, just just because I drove a lot of cars over the summer, you know, I, I had about. I would say I was averaging seven new car experiences a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you 
the shape very clearly of what it's like when you buy a car that I'm sure everybody goes through. But I can tell you the pattern so you don't flip out. The first day is a buyer's remorse day no matter what. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. No matter what, you are going to feel little pangs of regret and fear that you've made a huge mistake. Leaving the dealership, I had Leaving that the dealership. You're in a, you go to reach for something and the knob isn't there. You can't get it to work. Or how do I do the preset on the stereo? Or why is this? That's normal. Don't panic. And don't you think some of that is a little bit because you're, you know, part of the excitement of buying a new car is trying to figure out what car you're going to buy or or where you're going to get. And it's an emotional buy. The hunt is now over. The chase (laughs) is what you're talking about. The chase. We love the chase. And then when you get it, there's a little bit of a letdown. But wait, day two. You need three days for this to know. Three days. Day two, you wake up. You're... (laughs) You're over the anguish a little bit, but you know the car a little more. You go for that first drive, and it, it should start to feel more natural, but still just a little bit of uh, confusion and anxiety. On that third day, if you wake up and you have your own your eureka moment, you know you've made a right choice. Yeah, Something should happen third day, fourth day, where you go, oh, my God, I'm in love with this thing. And that's where it really starts to take off. You know where that love, and I think that love goes for a while, especially with an, a new car. This definitely happens. Where then I think it's day four. And it do, it's not the next day, but mm-hmm. maybe it's a month, maybe it's two months, where you break that barrier of eating in the car. Because right. <laughs> every new car you buy, just like you did. Not do it. Remember in high school? I don't do that. I would year, never do that. But every year you would go, this is the year I'm going to be organized with my backpack. Every new car I've ever gotten to go, this is the car I'm never going to eat in. And then six weeks later, well, I Well, it depends what you're going to eat in the car. Oh, yeah. I What's mean, the worst thing you've ever eaten in a car? Uh, to me, I think a taco is Oh, my God. Deadly. You don't do that. A hard taco. That I mean, that's probably more dangerous I than— I see more often than not women in L.A., and once I saw a girl doing it, I was just stunned by what she was up to. She had a cigarette, a phone, and a salad— yeah, with a, a salad driving nice in motion. She was like this, <laughs> like that. That was really incredible. See, I ha- I have rules for uh, road food. A lot of times we end up leaving here super late at night, and it's going to take me a while to get home. I'm not going to stop and eat someplace, um, but I'll whatever I buy to eat, which right. is usually not any good for me. Um, it can't. It's got to be somewhat dry, so it can't. It can't have sauce all over the place because the the whole thing's going to go nuts on you. (laughs) You know, so that kind of rules out most Mexican food. Yes. You know, uh, preferably some sort of finger food that's real easy to pick up and put in my mouth. And that, I think, is the important thing that a lot of people forget about if they're going to be. Well, you have to you have to imagine worst case scenario. Because it's really not safe to do that to begin with. Well, safety aside, I mean, we all do things like that, but. You have to imagine DEFCON, you know, five, worst case scenario, a huge drop. Is this cleanable? That too, yes. That's the one I always fear. Years ago, my wife, um, we had a party and we had leftover wine and she had to return the wine and she didn't get to it and it was in her, the, the hatchback of her Prius. So she was driving around LA for a week and what happens when she stopped short one, one day, red wine explosion. It, that car's over in that moment. No. Yeah. yeah sell, g- d- just walk away from it. reupholster the whole car. She's like, what's the big deal? I'll take it to the car wash. And go, go ahead. Tell me what they say. And, you know, she got the speech about how, you know, and she didn't do it right away. So she cleaned up the glass and everything else, but yeah. the wine was in there for a couple of days. And it gets into the fabric of the whole car. Yeah, it you know, it's a biosphere. And, yeah. It's an airtight little thing in the sun, and now you've got bacteria and everything else. So that's, that's how I kind of do it with my kids. You know, I... I I'm kind of half the you can't eat in the car kid's dad and half the you can. You know, I, yeah. I, I do like you. It's like crackers, good. Uh, yeah. Protein shake, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, Not no. Not on the Alcantara. No, no spaghetti sauce. None of those things that I can't And get definitely nothing that you have to use utensils. No way. A Absolutely fork, a spoon, not. whatever. I, a knife. No, <laughs> no way. Worst, worst uh, car food, pho. What? Pho. What is that? The Korean big bowl of boiling hot soup. Yeah, that's 19 soup pounds is with, really wrong. With, uh, with noodles. Yeah, I think, I think the that cops would be the should worst. write tickets for that stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I sat around, and maybe this was, this was a dumb thought. I sat around, I was thinking about a taco as I was mm. driving. I was thinking, that's the most dangerous. Cause <laughs> that's what's on my mind. It's two hands. Your head is tilted. You're right. not looking at the steering wheel. And I kept thinking, they need to invent a taco for the car. And I was on to something. I was so genius with this. And then I went, wait a minute, that's a burrito. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly so, what that this is. was a 20 minute me inventing the but car. Let me tell you, tell you about the GT3 RS with that big wing. That big wing is perfect for a picnic food. Eating off the I've eaten oh, off I, the wing before. Yeah. That and I will do. The beauty of your car is you have get yourself something that requires a little more hand eye coordination mm-hmm. so you don't have the big gulp and you don't have the, you know, the tacos in your car. Yeah, it's impo- I sold a GT3 once because I almost killed myself just used trying to use the phone in it. It was a 2004. And okay. I was uh, commuting back and forth to a studio, and uh, you know, I just had to take a phone call, and I almost uh, got t-boned. See, so and I had to get rid of it. But the wing is like a picnic table. It's like an A and W root beer tray that hangs off your window. You can park outside. anywhere, eat right off the back. That sounds like a uh, an episode of Seinfeld or something. <laughs> What's that? Eating off the wing of a car. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you lower the value of your car because you didn't use a coaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When, uh, so when you were on Seinfeld, because they, we, we were talking to Seinfeld fans in the office. There are some very famous car episodes. There were cars are really prevalent in. Oh right. Did, were you ever involved with the? Hey, we need a certain car. You know, we're writing an episode about you know the Saab or the. What Baron. car should we write about? No, I never. I don't think I ever wrote about an episode of that. And I, I, it was never intentional. That's for sure. You will see some of Jerry's cars in the co- in episodes every once in a while. I believe in the episode The Rye, um, there's one shot that pans the New York City street, which was really the Paramount lot, and you'll see his 73911 RS there. Oh, wow. Which is a super cool car that was owned by Sam Cabiglio before him. It's been owned by four friends. Mm-hmm. Sam owned it. Um, Jerry got a hold of it. Jerry sold it to me. I sold it to my friend Paul. And uh, it's still in this little family of guys. We all get to kind of see it and occasionally use it when we want. Did you guys ever compete to buy the same car? Um, well, I can't compete with Jerry Seinfeld. There are very few well, people who can do that. <laughs> I, I didn't mean financially. I just meant, you know, did you guys ever lust after the same car and you kind of got to go, well, okay, you can have it or you can have it. Or I've bought cars that Jerry's passed on. Jerry's bought cars that I've passed on. Um, Is it ever like a... I regret a couple that I passed on that he bought. I mean, one of them was an IROC RSR, which wow. I just oh, totally cool blew car. it on that one. He talked me out of a Luso when they were $200,000 and thought it was a stupid idea. I would keep reminding him imagine of that. imagine that? Huh? I, I know. Keep... Oh. He claims it never happened, but it happened. <laughs> I remember I mean, And that moment. could have happened not that many years ago. <laughs> yeah. They've shot up so much in value. No, so I know. I came to him with the proposition. I said, look, I've got five cars... I feel weird about not driving them. I'm thinking about selling everything and just getting a Luso and having a one-car collection. Someone uh, who uh, was a consultant recommended that to me. And, I, and, and he said, what, are you crazy? <laughs> and I said, no, I really like these cars. I think they're undervalued. They're gonna... You're out of your mind. Uh, I, for one, I still think they're undervalued. I, they're such beautiful Lusos, cars. They're $2 million bucks, aren't but, they? But, I mean, compare that to a 275, which is three and a half, four. Right. Well, I see. Well, that I felt bad about that, and that's precisely why I just bought this Ferrari 365 GTC4, which I think are also on the way up. A way more drivable Daytona. There's only 500 made. I don't know how many still exist. It's an incredible a uh, grand touring car. I, I believe it was the most expensive car in 1970, 72, yeah. at $27,500. And it, it's a dream. This car is a dream. It makes a beautiful sound. It was, you know inexpensive compared to the other 12 cylinder ferraris you and talk I'm in about, love with it you talk about the ferrari everyone talks about you know the, the race cars and the you mm-hmm. know the little stuff and the but to me a ferrari, the bigger the longer the more leather <clears throat> the more cylinders that's that's sort of their, I, their best i remember the first drive I, t- I was taking it winding it through the canyons and my friends were in 356s and i you know it's 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 a big emotional you know Italian meal. It's like you know a sloshing goblet of wine. There's something about these Italian cars. Yeah. I'm in the canyon and I'm and the two three fifty sixes are in front of me and I just felt bad for them. I'm like, look at those guys in those tiny little cars. Yeah. <laughs> they don't Bouncing know what this feels like. And, yeah, you feel like a man. And arguably, the three fifty six is probably better through a canyon. It could take a turn a little quicker. Look, but I love. They're my favorite. One of my yeah. favorite cars. Yet this car, the emotion, this Ferrari. Cap 
captured me and captivated me. I felt suddenly I was the guy on the cover of Cigar Aficionado, you know, and I'm not, you're looking at me right now. I'm not a big masculine type of guy, but I felt like a man. And I was like, that's, that's what Ferrari does. Yeah. Yeah. They give you that feeling. And it's, uh, you know, that coupled with the, the hand built, just, you know, vintage, you know, mechanical feeling of a car and the sound and the big engine. Oh my God, that, that car blows me away. Yeah, that's why I'm getting it today. I, I want to feel like a man today. Oh, but you're not you're not picking it. I thought you were purchasing it today. No, I already bought it. I have it, and uh, you know I'm do trying to make another up for Ferrari? that Luso miss. Do you see another Ferrari in your future? I got to make the money, you know. Yeah, well, that's. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've got. Would I, the Luso be your next Ferrari purchase? If or, you know, I'm or like a different everybody one? else. You know, my dream car of all dream cars is a 250 short wheelbase. Oh, it's great, and they're just yeah. racing ahead in value. We uh, so far out of reach. We yeah, had. But, um, yeah, our, one of our board members, Bruce Meyer, uh, right. has a 250 no, short wheelbase, and we were doing an event. Uh, that Z car too, silver yeah, with a blue stripe. Yeah, I mean one Le Mans, right? 61. I believe so. Yeah, that car is so. Cool. And we were doing this event um, over in uh, Glendale at the Americana, mm-hmm. and we had like 20 cars on the lawn there. We made our own like mini concours. And we had the you know the finest cars at this place, and he showed up. He was the last guy there. And he brings the car in, and he wings the throttle in there. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's all tall buildings, and there's a grass lawn in the center of it. So the sound of that V12 just echoing off those buildings, I can still hear it. You know, he I did mean, that just, at, a, at a awesome. show that I was at. The car, the Greystone Cars and Coffee ahead of the Concorde, yeah. which was way better than the Concorde, by the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all the same cars, free coffee. You could come and go and whenever you the wanted parking to. Lot tailgates. No parking lot, no trams everybody was in love with that cars and coffee event you need to do it again please forget about the concord same thing he arrived a little late showed up in that car with that sound and the whole place stopped now there's some big metal coming up that driveway yeah oh yeah but that car stopped everybody in their tracks yep. everybody and he drove it there and he that, drove that it there. Car, he drove it to the. I mean, that car gets he's, driven. No, I know he's driven this car behind us, which is his uh, two fifty. Yeah, that's beautiful too. Well, he's got that cool little hangar on yeah. Rodeo where he's got his cars. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy, right? And that's what I would say is is his collection is impressive, but how they are displayed and where they are stored is mm-hmm. absolutely as impressive as the cars themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's you know he was on it before all of us. So he what uh, what is sort of next in the horizon? Because as, as a car guy. You're never content. No. You've got your Ferrari. You love it. But there's got to be something else. What's, what's It's been thing? a pretty crazy year already. You know, yeah. um, you know, I will admit to you, because you guys are car guys, a big reason I did this car show was to get free cars from manufacturers, <laughs> press yeah. cars. What? That experience. <laughs> there's a big reason we do this podcast, and it's very similar. So you know you can call them, and they'll drop a car off in your driveway, and yes. you get to have it for a week and give it back. Like, that's the best time of car ownership is that first seven days. It's yep. awesome. So, like, since May, I've been driving anything I want. New Porsches, new Jaguars. What else do you want? New Range Rover. Yeah, I'm going on vacation. Give me the new Range Rover, and they bring it bring it down. That. That has really scratched a big itch for me. Now, now lay on top of it the Ferrari I just got, and uh, I just uh, leased. The fact your wife needs a new Prius. She's good for until January, I think. Okay. But we just got a, uh, a Q7. I need the family school bus. Sure. So I got a Q7. Audi uh, was nice enough to source one for me. Um, blacked it out. Um, you know, I really like that because it's functioning. It's doing everything I needed to do right now, which is get me to meetings around L.A. and keep me cool and mm-hmm. get the kids where they need to go. Um, but you know, and then, you know, I'm on bring a trailer three times a day. Sure. They get me at least twice a week. Yeah. Um, it, it'll be something like that. It may be an old Mercedes, you know, um, I don't know if you know the guys at Mercedes motoring. I don't, but I've got a car to show you after this. Hello. All right. Trust me. You're, you're, you might not be going home in your GT3 RS. <laughs> What and if you're in his Mercedes, you might not be going you home. Might not be going home. Are you in an old Mercedes? Uh, I, there, was a, there was a project that hopefully no one above our pay grade here hears about uh, that's currently sitting in the garage. Oh, cool. I'll show you cool. after. You should check out Mercedes Motoring, this guy, J.G. Francis, who restores old Mercedes in uh, Glendale. Yeah. Mostly 80s diesels. And uh, he's got me looking at some cars. You know, they're just – there's too much stuff, you know. Yeah. It's, you it's can't like anything. It I have to be disciplined. Because, uh, you know, I've got 
a family and schools. And There's if this I thing were by myself, every dime would go into cars. Every yeah. dime, every single one would go into buying them, finding them. Yeah, I guess selling what, them occasionally. But what I mean, has there been the eBay Motors phone app bathroom impulse buy? It's on here right now. No, no, no. I yes. know, but it has. I mean, my that, Land Rover, my '71 Land Rover. Tell us about that. Well, they're you know I've been looking at them like I look at a lot of different cars. And one day I was up in my office writing, or supposed to be writing. Instead, I was looking at eBay Motors old Land Rovers and this beautiful blue. Uh, Land Rover Series 2A from 1971 pops up, and it's got about another three minutes on the auction, and, and it's only up to 6700 bucks. <laughs> I'm like, Geez. It never crossed your mind that for a reason. Look at that car. That's beautiful, and there's some great pictures of it all from a distance. And, you know, I'm like, geez, maybe I should bid on this thing. It seems really undervalued, yeah. right? For what it is, should be in the teens somewhere. <clears throat> I think, uh, well, I'll just bid on it. What the hell? Now, now, keep in mind, I just bought a 68 911 Trans Am Porsche race car. Well, okay. this is a 911L lightweight. Right? Yes. One of five. <laughs> not, not necessarily a cheap Three car. days earlier. Okay. All right? And convinced my wife, which was true, this is going to be a great investment for us. Don't even worry about yeah, it. Yeah. But it was really about just owning a race car. But three days earlier, I had to sit down with her and let her say, let her, you know, give me permission to buy this car, which I do. So I've already got a car, but this is another car thing you should all know. When the gate opens for one, there's a uh-huh. chance another one's coming. <laughs> there's, it's a two-car thing for a lot of car guys. So I'm sitting there by myself, and no one's looking, and I put a bid on it. And now we're down to under a minute. It's going 30 seconds. Under a minute, it's going. No one else is jumping on it. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to win this thing, and I don't want to win it. I just wanted to bid on it. Sure yeah. enough, nobody – my wife walks in right at that moment with 10 seconds, goes, what are you doing? <laughs> and I went, and she looks at the screen. She goes, you didn't just buy another car, did you? <laughs> and then it goes, ding! You won. You win. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that was not a good week in my house. No. That was not I a good week in my this house. Is now, all... here is the crazy coincidence about this car. You know, sight unseen, I, all I saw it was in California. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't even know where the car is. I didn't talk to the guys about it. I have no idea the condition or anything. I just looked at the eBay Motors picture, which is the biggest mistake. I get an email from the guy. I'm like, hi. He goes, you sure you want to buy this? And I'm like, yeah, I, I want to buy it. It's fine. Where is it? He goes, well, the car is in Van Nuys. I go, huh, that's Close funny. Enough. Where in Van Nuys? And he tells me on Strathern Street. That's exactly where the 911 is that I just bought. In Van Nuys, two doors down at TRE Motorsports. <laughs> and now the Land, uh, Land Rover is yeah. right there, pretty much across the street. And this is the story you have to tell your wife to convince her. <laughs> I did. She couldn't have cared less. Yeah. Now, I've since that car, it turns, I got very, very lucky with the car. I've put about 10 grand into it, so I'm up to 17. I found this great mechanic in Venice, Pete at Marina Motors, who knows those cars up and down. And and I've already got offers above seventeen on the car. Once again, all re- you I've don't have to convince well. us on this. I've no, I've done well on it. We take it to the farmers market. My wife drives it now. The kids think it's an army jeep. It's such a win. I don't recommend anybody else to do it. I get extremely lucky with it, but I'm in love with that. That's going to be my old man last car. Oh, cool. Well, we got some cool cars to show you after this. Uh, Spike, thanks so much for coming by. Hey, it's been a pleasure, guys. Uh, Anybody, check out Car Matchmaker on the Esquire Network. It's Tuesdays, 9, 8 o'clock Central. Uh, It's Car Matchmaker on the Esquire channel and Twitter.com slash Spike Ferriston. That's right. Yeah, watch the show. It's an awesome show. Thank you so much for coming in.